Here we are with another episode of Voice of the Humanities, brought to you by Vectus Consulting. Vectus Consulting concentrates on saving and strengthening humanities programs in higher education. Find them on the web at vectusconsulting.org. V-E-C-T-I-S, vectusconsulting.org. This episode is all about being proactive as opposed to reactive if things get sketchy and dicey and dangerous for your program at your college or university, particularly your humanities program. So if times are tight, if the college is in dire straits, if they're heading for dire straits, if there's pressure being put on, if change is happening at your college or university, if you have a new president, if you have a new leadership team, if you have a leadership team that has hunkered down at a retreat or over the summer and have come back with sweeping changes that are going to happen to push the college in a new direction. It's very critical that you be proactive in this process and not reactive to it. You're simply pushed around by the forces that be and you're reacting to the data and the metrics that are going to drive the future of your program at the college if you just sit back and let that happen to you. There are ways to be proactive to keep your program, particularly your humanities program, at the forefront of the college. So one of the metrics that you can look for to see if your college may be heading for something that would require these sweeping changes to happen throughout the college is look at two figures. Look at your discount rate. So I really didn't know what that was until about my last five years as a faculty member at a private liberal arts college out in Illinois that closed. And if the discount rate is sitting around 35% or more, higher than that, certainly 35 to 50%, you've got some problems because what you're doing is you're discounting the price of the college to get people in. So you're taking away what they're paying to get them in the door. It's a common strategy and it's a very difficult financial strategy to try to figure out because other colleges with wide margins are in the discount business. If your competitors have a lot of margin, they can discount heavily and go for the Walmart model where it's quantity with just a small margin of profit over quality. If you're not in that position, you're either going to sit with a higher price and offer less for the student, which is means less students will come in probably, or you're going to discount the heck out of it and bring in students and maybe even take a loss on students. If your institution is financially set to operate with more than 50% of tuition driving the general budget, you're getting into problem land. As that increases, when you hit the range of about 80%, if your institution is 80% tuition dependent, then you've got a problem because these two numbers feed into each other. 
So again, that's something to look for. Look for those numbers. How tuition dependent are you? And what's the discount rate of your college? These typical problems in small private institutions in the United States can drive the administration to make changes. And one of the most attractive changes to make in higher education is to start messing around with the curriculum and the organization of the curriculum of the college because people can get sold very quickly on the fact that this could make a difference in the future of the college. It could make a significant difference in the future of the college in the right direction, and it's free. So you've got a very, very attractive option sitting in front of administrators if the college is trending into dangerous territory financially and enrollment. So if your enrollment numbers are stagnant, if your discount rate is getting high, if you're becoming tuition dependent uh, to operate the college on a daily basis, one of the ways that the leadership will try to make a significant change in the college is to reorganize the curriculum. And it's a very attractive option for the people that are looking at the books every day because it's not going to cost anything. It's only going to cost faculty and staff time in meetings and changes to the website, as opposed to other things that they might need to do, like opening up a fitness center, putting artificial turf on a football field, trying to build new dormitories that are up to the competition's level integrating an expensive new program like graphic design or um, digital sports, etc. Those have significant buy-in costs. Just think about a graphic design program. There's all the hardware that is very expensive. There are software subscriptions that are outrageously expensive, and there's adding faculty and all the advertising that goes with that. So you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to launch a new program that'll start bringing in students. That can be on the table as an option, but when one of the other options is on the table is to simply reorganize the curriculum, and it's gonna cost 100 hours of faculty time and 200 hours of staff time, you're in because most of those people are not paid by the hour anyway. It's just part of the workload. So reorganizing the curriculum is a very typical strategy. Uh, I served at a private liberal arts college for 15 years, and towards the end, I went through two curriculum reorganizations. One was an ambush, and the other one was um, planned a little bit. The ambush one was very difficult because it um, I wasn't made aware that the curriculum was going to be completely restructured until about June. And in July, the meetings happened and the decision was made at the end of July what we were going to go with. And all I could do was get on the table, get on the train and take a ride. I had no time to prepare. I had no time to be proactive for it. I had no plan in place for philosophy. And because of that, every humanities program was cut at my college with the exception of the art program. So I was not in a position to save philosophy the first time the 
administration decided that reorganizing the curriculum was going to be a significant change in the positive direction of the college financially. I'm still not convinced that reorganizing the curriculum can make a huge impact on the college. There are There is a need for reorganization in the curriculum, and it, we did become healthier, but we only became a better institution towards the end when we did it with some planning and not just um, the, grabbing a set of metrics from a website, applying it to our situation, and being able to report to the board that we did a great deal of work over the summer to try to put the college in a better position for academic year 2015-16. They're typically called academic reprioritization repri uh, programs. They're going to make priority programs and they're going to take other programs off uh, offline and make them supporting programs minors or not use them at all. They will become dead programs or even eliminated programs. Tenure doesn't save you from that either. So when a program is deemed financially a burden to the college and not um, part of the whole picture of the college, not part of the future of the college, um, tenure lines can go away permanently over the summer. So if there's a restructuring of the academic programs and history is deemed to not meet the metric that they're looking for, philosophy is not deemed to meet the metric, theater is not deemed to meet the metric, those tenure lines can end immediately and there's really no recourse for that. So what I'm stressing here primarily in this episode is to be proactive as opposed to reactive. You need to establish a plan for your particular program. And I would extend that plan out at least five years. I like the increment of three, five, and seven for a plan for your program. And what you're going to want to do with that program is plan for growth. So you're going to want to be able to establish a program that sets a benchmark for new students, not cannibalizing students too. Make sure that's part of the plan, that you're not just steal. If, if it's a philosophy major, for instance, let's say you're chair of the philosophy program, you're not going to build the philosophy program stealing literature, stealing history, stealing art, and stealing criminal justice majors and grow the philosophy program from 12 students to 18 to 22. These are new students that you're going to need to be um, prepared to bring in, and you have to have a plan for that. So there's an awful lot that goes into a plan like that, and this is an opportunity to hire a professional consultant to do this. There are consulting firms out there that will look at the overall health of a college and the overall programs. And there is at least one consulting firm out there that specializes in establishing a plan, having one ready that you're following to go that will keep you at least two steps, if not three steps ahead of every other program if your college decides to reorganize the curriculum. That's Vectus Consulting, the good folks that happen to sponsor these podcasts. That's what they do. They will establish a strategic plan for a humanities program that you have in place. 
So if you have a plan in place, if you grow your own plan or if you use a consultant to help you grow a plan, you have that ready. And when and if the college comes and says, we're going to reorganize, you already are taking measures to grow your enrollment, to increase retention, to increase external visibility of your program, to increase the internal visibility of the program, and to make your program deeply integrated into the college. So when people are sitting at the table, when the table is established for what the curriculum, what the academics of your college are going to look like in the future, you have allies at the table. And I talk about this with internal integration of your program. One of the important things to do is to make sure that the business program, the criminal justice program, the nursing program, for instance, does not want to see your program go away. When academic restructuring came to my college the second time, those three programs did not want to see philosophy go away because I taught classes that they found valuable and I took pressure off their already overtaxed faculty. That's part of having a plan. You can't just come to the administration 15 days before they're going to restructure and say, this is what we plan on doing. We plan on making this very strong relationship with the following two programs to increase our um, the necessity of having my program in the college. That's way too late. You need those things established already so when the powers that be look at the curriculum, they say, this program understands how to be a team player. This program is so embedded in the college. I don't think we can um, get rid of this program because you're looking at hiring another criminal justice faculty member, another nursing faculty member to try to fill the void that would be there if we eliminated philosophy, for instance. And hiring a new nursing faculty and hiring a new criminal justice faculty are terribly difficult things to do because there's 607 philosophers banging at the door to take my job at any given moment. There are 607 nursing openings for every nursing professor that can teach bioethics across the nation. It's, a, it's an absolutely re reversed and flipped scale. So with this, I really want to stress that one of the things you take and you set aside a significant amount of time is to construct a plan and write it out. Have a prepared plan, three, five, seven year plan for your program with data, with benchmarks, with goals. And I do, in this particular case, recommend that you hire a professional to give you a hand with that. Thank you for your time. This episode of Voice of the Humanities, as with all episodes of Voice of the Humanities, has been graciously sponsored by the folks at Vectus Consulting. They specialize in consulting humanities programs. V-E-C-T-I-S, VectusConsulting.org.